podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Mitz. Today, we are doing a preview of the Big 12 and the Kansas seasons we have a lot of stuff going on um you know to help me do that i'm having coming back to the show for the first time in a little while uh andrew dowdy of bet mgm andrew how are you doing today doing really well i was thinking about that i don't even know the last time i was on i, I was trying to remember if i've been on since we did like that recap episode yes. of like the best things that happened that year was that 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 wasn't last season. It was the season before because I I know you had a lot of stuff with your you know high motor pod moving over to bed MGM and all that stuff. You were just like yeah. super busy last year, which I completely understand. Didn't ever actually able to make it work to get you back on the podcast, but uh, but yeah, for sure. Um, glad to have you back. Uh, obviously, kind of talking a little bit about what what it is you do now for for those that haven't been following. Um, you know, high motor pod has moved over to bed MGM. You got you and Chase Kitty are now. Giving us a lot of great gambling advice every every week, or at least talking about interesting gambling storylines. But uh, you know that is what we're here to talk about today. So, real quick before we dive into Kansas and Big Twelve and all of that, is there is there anything in particular that just jumps out to you? Just general betting advice for anybody who is thinking about getting into betting that hasn't done it before. You know, this is something that Chase talks about a lot because he's been doing this a lot longer than I have. And we actually just dropped a kind of like betting guide for idiots. I don't know what that was, two or three weeks ago. I mean, first of all, plug. I would, I would highly recommend, you know, looking at that if you're hopping into betting this year for the first time, especially with how many states are, are now legalizing betting and more are coming here in the next year. Um, the, the explosion of access to it going from those illegal offshore books to what a book like BetMGM offers. Like I would, I would highly recommend just educating yourself and staying within your means. And I know that I don't want to get you know too high and mighty here, but it is a slippery slope and you kind of just need to decide which kind of route you want to take. We just recorded an episode today. Uh, we were talking about like just college football predictions and whatnot. And spoiler, Chase said that I think his favorite non-win total futures bet was Cincinnati plus 1100 to make the college football playoff and as everybody is aware that Cincinnati probably has you know the best chance of any G5 team in this what eight-year history to do it and even though he said he really likes the the bet itself 11 to 1 odds basically your betting is is Cincinnati going to beat Indiana is Cincinnati going to beat Notre Dame if they do go 13 and 0 odds are this year they'll probably have a really good chance because of that strength of schedule but he also mentioned that's just a ticket he wants to hold. Like he wants to be on that Cincinnati train because it'd be a really, really fun thing to do. So it's, it's more so what are you looking for from betting? Do you want the entertainment side of it? Do you, are you trying to do this to make some money? And once you sit down and actually look at it, we'll, we'll get into some Big 12 stuff here because the Big 12 is extremely unique, uh, you know, with, with the smaller conference and there aren't as many non-conference games, there aren't as many cupcake games to kind of get those win totals up, but it's establishing, if you haven't done this before, it's establishing, what are you looking to get out of this? Is this purely an entertainment play from you? Do you love live sports betting? Do you want to have, I mean, you asked me to do a sound check before we hopped on and I dropped the spoiler that I don't think Kansas is going to hit the over on, on one and a half wins this year. Like, do you, you want to hedge it? Like in my case, I probably will take the under one and a half if I'm wrong awesome because that means Kansas was competent this year so is it a way of finding a win-win for you because if I take the over on it 
Kansas goes 0-12 or 1-11, I'm losing on both cases. So in terms of betting strategy and betting advice, know what you're looking for out of it. Do you want to hedge yourself as a like, you know, what I just said, do you want to hedge yourself from like a football standpoint and a fan standpoint from making money? Um, but yeah, I'd highly recommend going back and listening to that. I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago. It's called Betting Guide for Idiots. Uh, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, everywhere. Chase does a phenomenal job of just breaking down the very basics of betting, how to get into it, you know, what's reverse line movements and stuff like that, how to read the handle. Um, I would highly recommend if you have not done this, even if you had, he drops a lot of nuggets in there and throughout all of our episodes, just everything from the basics um, up to, you know, reading what the VIG is and when that number is going to move. So I would definitely recommend listening to that. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've learned a lot about the betting world just in the last like year and a half um, since, since you guys really started to focus on that. And so I'm, I'm definitely enjoying the advice. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm on the, we're on the 1012 network here and, and, you know, Philip over on the 1012 has a betting show every Thursday going into, you know, talking about predictions and lines and all that fun stuff as well. So there, there's a lot of really good advice, a lot of really good information out there. And that's probably the biggest thing is making sure, um, you know, that you are getting the information from reputable sources and getting, you know, people who are thinking about it correctly that can help steer you in the way that you're thinking about betting. You know, is it something you're trying to make a bunch of money on, in which case your approach is going to be a lot different than if you're just doing it to have some money on a game that you're going to be watching anyway to add a little bit extra juice to it or something like that. So, um, you know, w- one other kind of general question, obviously, most of the people listening to this are Kansas fans. Um how difficult is it to try to bet a team that you actively root for? Cause, cause like, is it hard to stay objective or do you think that that depends a lot on whether the team is actually good or not? I mean, it, to be frank, if it's hard to be objective, then you're not going to win. I mean, if you're letting your emotions get in, in the way of it, you're going to have a really hard time. Like I just said, I want Kansas to go two and 10 because that means they probably beat South Dakota. And then they got, you know, the Duke game or they got the Texas tech game, or maybe they, I think Baylor's at home. Maybe they got the Baylor game. I want that to happen. I I would love for them to go three and nine, but realistically, and we'll get more into this, you know, I can look at the talent as, as somebody who's watched every single Kansas game for, I don't know, the last 15 years, I can still look at the talent. And if you, there's a difference between being optimistic. Like if you want to say, Hey, maybe, you know, Jason Bean is going to win the starting job and he's going to be something different than Kansas has had, you know, something closer to Carter Stanley and something that is not, I can't even remember most of the guys' names that have lined up on under center over the last 12 years. Like you can be optimistic that maybe Jason Bean is, is the answer. Maybe that Jalen Daniels takes a step forward or maybe that Karan Prunty's departure isn't as big as I think it is, or maybe that the running back room, has a lot of depth and is one of the strengths of the team. There's a difference between it being optimistic about that stuff and then just understanding that new coach, new system, you bring a brand new staff late. And the fact remains is that at every single position group, you probably have the worst talent in the big 12 by far. So I think if you're not able to separate that, just don't bet on it. I mean, there are, I don't know, dozens of games to bet on every single week. There are 130 win totals in betmgm.com. Like, you need to figure out that if you can't separate from that, just don't bet on it. Just enjoy it. I mean, I rarely will bet on Kansas basketball, Kansas football, because I really enjoy just watching those things. And if you can't do that, you're just not going to enjoy the experience because you're going to let your emotions get uh, the best of it. In the case of Kansas football, odds are you're going to lose because they lose a lot. And then you're going to be pissed off from a financial standpoint. You're going to be pissed off from a fan standpoint. So if you can't separate that, I would just recommend passing you know, go, go and bet on Baylor, go and bet on USC, go and bet on whatever, whatever you want. There aren't a shortage of opportunities to bet on. 
Yeah, it's it's also kind of one of those things. I think this is the same kind of approach that I take with like NCAA tournament brackets where, you know, I have the bracket where I think this is what's going to happen, but then I usually find myself actively rooting against the thing that would make me money in terms of my bracket right. being perfect right. because I want to see all the upsets. Like I want to get emotionally invested and and that's I think is is the key, making sure that you're able to separate that from what you are doing, like where you're putting your money if you're actually trying to make money off it. Obviously, if if you want to put money on something because you really think it's going to happen and you really want to be like be able to like lord that over people like that's completely different frame of reference there but all right so i do want to get into the big 12 in general um and and kansas specifically let's start just with general big 12 we'll we'll save kansas here uh for for probably the second half of the show here so looking at the big 12 though are there any bets whether it's you know college football playoff odds um, or conference odds that really kind of jump out to you as like, I don't, I don't know where that number is coming from. don't know where that number is coming from. Um, probably not in the big 12. I don't think there are any like mistake lines there. I mean, you're just not going to see that a lot with high profile teams. You're not going to see a whole lot of, you know, mistake or, or really fishy lines in terms of FBS stuff. I mean, there are some bets that I like, for example, Iowa state, the win total there is nine and a half. Uh, the VIG is split evenly over minus 110, under minus 110. So you can't, you know, learn anything from that number. Those of you who haven't bet on this, if this number was, for example, uh, let's find a better example. Um, right. Texas Tech, for example, is five. The over on that is 150, minus 150. So you have to bet, you know, $150 or whatever you want. You can find calculators online in order to win 100. The under on that is plus 125. Because it's 150, it, the book is signaling, not even – intentionally that's just how it works that if that's at 150 more people are on that number so you're not going to get as big of a return and it wouldn't be surprising here in the next two weeks to see that number go to five and a half because if enough people take the over the book is going to want to position itself relatively in a in a, in a middle position um i know that BetMGM doesn't do it exactly like all the other books do it they're not necessarily looking to even out if they're happy with five, maybe this number gets to minus 160, minus 170, minus 180, and they won't move it. In most cases, right. that number is going to move. If it, You're not going to see it, and Kansas is a different example because one and a half is such a bizarre number. The yeah. under right now is minus 200. Like That, that number is not going to move. Kansas isn't going to be one. Kansas isn't going to be two. That number could probably get to under minus 250 before they even consider moving it. The, the point being, going back to you know the original question, Iowa State, I'm a little bit surprised this number isn't 10 but i think that the book would probably get burned on the under if it was the problem that it why i think it's surprising is where are the holes on this iowa state too deep and where are the auto losses neither of those exist anywhere there are no holes there are no auto losses on the schedule and now that the offensive line is is no longer a liability it's actually a strength now I think that Purdy will be even more comfortable and continue to trim down kind of those misfires and those overthrows that have plagued him the first few years. I really think that's going to open things up downfield for the passing game and take this, they take this offense to a next level. I mean, I don't think they need to have a vertical passing game to win 10 games. It's not even a huge emphasis in this offense, but it's only going to make this offense better. It's more of all of that stuff just everywhere else on this team. Football-wise, this is a 10-win team easy at Iowa State no question in my mind it's a scheduling issue i.e. Oklahoma and Iowa I mean if they split those two games at Oklahoma and Iowa the over is done in my opinion I mean you beat Iowa lose to Oklahoma 
and you still get one more loss. And that's what the assumption they go down to Norman and lose, which I'm not totally convinced will happen. I mean, may, maybe they do drop the game at West Virginia. Maybe it's a weird one that we don't see coming. Then, you know, the Matt Campbell special, the Louisiana special. I'm just not, I'm not like all the way convinced that this team is like a top five team in college football. I see all the talent. Like I see the coach and I see the depth. I see everything that you see and everybody else sees, but I just want to see like more consistency. That is a separate conversation. I mentioned separating the emotional aspect from the financial aspect of betting. We're not even like talking about Iowa state being a playoff team or a top five team, even though that's the expectation, the hope for Iowa state this year, that's a totally separate conversation. That would be a conversation if their number was at 10 or 10 and a half, it's at nine and a half. So I think, like, I'm not shocked by the number. If there was any number that surprised me a little bit, I suppose it was this. But like I said, if this number was at 10, I think the book would be worried about getting crushed on the under, even though, I mean, like a nine and three season is barring a ton of injuries or if COVID flares up again or something like that, barring all that, seeing a nine and three season from Iowa State is almost impossible for me. So if there's anything close to a surprising or shocking number, it's probably Iowa State at nine and a half just because I feel so good about the over on this team. Yeah, what about Texas? Because that's the one that kind of jumped out to me is that, you know, I, I see a potential disconnect in that. Like, I see a Texas that has, you know, an over-under of eight wins, um, yeah. which that seems a little high to me, but I'm sure, you know, I, I I can acknowledge that I probably discount Texas a little bit more than the average person. Um, and But they have the third best conference championship odds at, you know, plus 800, which isn't great. You know, obviously, if, if you're actually expecting them to win it, but it's also, I think, better than other teams that I would have thought had a better chance in, say, like Oklahoma State or TCU. Um, are you surprised or does that is that just a factor of Texas being so big, thinking that people are going to be betting on them anyway and uh, kind of trying to I, I don't whether it's playing the market or there's maybe some other information that maybe we're just not accounting for or I'm not accounting for. Yeah, I mean, it's a marketplace issue. This is something that Chase harps out all the time. Again, I would highly recommend listening to you know betting guides in our Big 12 previews. This is something that Chase has talked about so much. It's the marketplace of it. We were trying to do, I think I asked him, like, where would Texas and Oklahoma sit in SEC odds if they were in the SEC this year? And he's talking about, I mean, you have to give, you don't have to give Texas respect on the field because they haven't earned any, but you have to understand where Texas sits in the marketplace because if they were to come into the SEC this year, you would have a lot of Texas fans dropping $20 on Texas at, you know, whatever it is. I think A&M is like plus 1,200 SEC odds. They'll definitely sit below them. Maybe they'd be in like the 1,800, 2,000 ballpark. The book just can't have that exposure if you had all of these Texas fans coming in and putting $20, $30, $40 in Texas at, 20, at plus 2,000 to win the SEC. That's kind of a separate conversation, but it goes into what you're talking about. Texas, even though they are consistently overrated, I mean, they're in the ballpark of Nebraska and Tennessee and USC and all these teams that consistently struggle to hit their win tolls and are consistently overrated in preseason rankings. In terms of that number itself, I have no idea. Like, I frankly, I, I don't know what to expect. I am very always very scared of betting on first-year coaches because I don't, even though I like the Steve Sarkeesian hire, I'm not sure if it's that much different than Tom Herman. Like, I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to do a lot of the same things that Tom Herman does. Yes, he'll bring – I think he'll have a better staff. I think they'll have better offensive play callers and they'll have better player development. He's not going to say and do all the dumb stuff that Tom Herman did that made me dislike him. But I'm just not sure if we're going to see a different Texas yet. Therefore, it's it's more, this is more just uncertainty for me. 
I mean, like we all see the talent that Texas has. I mean, there are, I mean, what, what does Texas have the talent for nine and three probably? I mean, that, that's probably not even debatable, really. It's just more so are they going to win the game that they're supposed to win? Are they going to beat Louisiana at home? I mean, we'll, we'll probably get to that game in a little bit in a second. I think Louisiana is just a better team right now. But can Texas win those games, the Maryland games that they haven't won in the past? So if, I mean, to answer your question, this is pure uncertainty for me. Therefore, it's a stay away because I just don't know what to expect under Steve Sarkeesian. And it's very, very hard to bet those whole numbers. If Texas was at seven and a half, different story. If Texas was at eight and a half, different story. Because the difference between Texas going, if Texas goes seven and five, it is, you know, Steve Sarkeesian did a fine job. Seven and five is not that bad. If Texas goes nine and three, I mean, you tell me, well, what is everybody, I mean, that's like big 12 coach of the year territory. So yeah. you're going from, oh yeah, that's, that's okay. To, oh my God, Steve Sarkeesian was the right hire nine and three big 12 coach of the year. Right. Like the difference between seven and three and nine and excuse me, seven and five and nine and three, especially in a big 12 where you're playing every single team. That's what, that's what scares me because the difference between those two records is just gigantic. Yeah, it's also, I mean, it's also kind of one of those things where I think that would have a bigger impact on what people expect from them next year. Because I think that's what, yeah. that, I mean, that's really what's happening this year. And and like you said, every time you have a first-year coach, it's hard to really kind of gauge the number. There's a lot of more of uh, market-dictated lines as opposed to what you actually expect from that particular team. Just because yeah. there's a lot of questions about what the coach is going to do. All right, so I do want to, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chat a little bit about Kansas and talk about specific games especially week one stuff. But before we do that, um, you know, today's episode actually is, and uh, it is sponsored by Symbol. Uh, that, that is a company. It's it's a the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks. You can earn cash payouts when your team wins. Symbol has blended sports and the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams without high fees and high losses from gambling, um, which you know, not saying it, it's more of an alternative to gambling. It's kind of gambling adjacent because I think a lot of the same information. But, you know, you can use the sports knowledge and your knowledge of, you know, things like win totals and things like, you know, to, to buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your team wins. Uh, there's there's over 7,000 early adopters that have started to invest in their favorite teams. You can join them by going to www.symbol.app. That is uh S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P. You can create a, a free account, and when you deposit at least $25, you can use the promo code CHALK12, that's C-H-A-L-K-1-2, uh, and you can get one free week of Symbol Gold. Again, visit Symbol.app and use the promo code CHALK12. You can get one free week of Symbol Gold and start investing in your favorite teams today. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pit, joined by my brother... Jeremy J and Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. All right. So, so Andrew, taking a look now, obviously the the team that everybody here for the most part cares about is the Kansas Jayhawks. You you mentioned early about what we were talking about, how you don't think that Kansas is going to hit the over. It is only one and a half. Um, you know, that, that would basically mean that they would, they could win the South Dakota game and then lose every other game the rest of the season. Um, what is it that makes you think that that is the most likely play? Is it just trying not to get too far 
you know, into expectations? Is it like what you were saying, hedging so that if they don't get it, that you're not disappointed about the fact that you lost money and they didn't win more than one game or, or is there something else there? I mean, purely from a betting standpoint, I, I mean, like, like I said, the, the vig there is minus 200. So like, that's where the people are on this, which is, I mean, you don't always want to be where everybody gets betting, but like, that's where the people are putting their money. And even though the book is usually right, because that's how books make money. I'm fine with being on that side because I think that the people that are putting their money there know what they're doing. That's purely from a betting standpoint, from a football standpoint, there's a lot of things to talk about here. Number one being, this is the least talented team in the big 12. I mean, by a wide margin, the only team that they're more talented on their schedule is South Dakota. And I'm not even convinced that they win that game. So purely from a talent perspective, I mentioned that if you want to make the argument like the running back room is a little bit deeper than somebody else in the big 12, I don't have any disagreement, you know, with that. I'm not that much. I'm not totally convinced that they're much better than South Dakota, which means that's not an auto win for me, which means that I need them to get a game that I feel okay about South Dakota plus one that I feel at least poorly about Duke is probably the best shot there. And the big 12 games just feel so out of reach that I can't do it right now. If, you know, for example, Puka was coming back and Andrew Parchment was coming back and Robinson was coming back. And I mentioned Karan Pronte was coming back. Like I see enough talent there. And because I like the Lance Leipold hire so much, I could at least see the high end talent because that's what KU has been lacking so much. You know, most of the teams they've had over the last, since what, 2009, they've had like one guy like Puka. Like it was Mike Lee for one year. Um, like Damon Patterson had one phenomenal season. Daniel Weiss had a couple of great years. Dorrance Armstrong, maybe it's like one or two guys that are on that level with the, you know, all big 12 players that Oklahoma has 14 of and that Iowa State has 16 of or the Oklahoma State has five of. They've had like one of those guys. They don't have any of those guys this year. Like Kansas doesn't have the type of all big 12 town. They might not have a single person on the all big 12 first and second team. Probably not when the season is over. So in terms of purely talent, I just don't see it at all. Like, even though I like the Lance Leipold hire, I like his history of developing players. I like his history of developing players that came in as low rank recruits. I love the fact that some guys, in addition to his staff, that some guys transferred and followed him. That says a lot to me. But in terms of purely talent, I just don't know where the argument is that Kansas can match up with anybody on their schedule and even just win the individual matchup battles, let alone win the actual game itself. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do think that part of that is just the fact that, you know, yes, it's probably more reason for optimism than any actual concrete proof of it, but you know, just given how different things are from when Les Miles was there, we saw lots of instances of Les Miles not utilizing people correctly. Right. Um, you know, a lot of the reports are coming out of camp. A lot of the reporters that are, you know, reporting out of camp, like what they're seeing compared to last year or the year prior. Um, like, I, I definitely have a lot of room for optimism. I do think South Dakota is not really that great of an FCS team. And Kansas, if they don't win that game, then there's then there's big issues there. Like, I, I think that that game is probably a little bit more of a gimme than you're giving them credit for, just because we're all expecting Kansas to be bad because they have been for so long. Um, you know, I also do see the the early game against Baylor in week two as a possibility because it is at home. The, the game in week four, uh, I'm sorry, week five against Texas Tech. And actually, I got that wrong. I'm sorry. Baylor is in week three. 
week four is Duke. I think that one's a winnable game. Week five is Texas Tech. That's the homecoming game. And also, I have lots of questions about Texas Tech and whether they're going to be able to put stuff together as well. And so, like, I think those three games are are definitely in the, you know, 35 to 50% range in terms of probability that Kansas could potentially win those. And when you get three of those that are strung together, you know, I, I think that there's a good opportunity for Kansas to build so that by the end of that three-game stretch that they've gotten at least one of those. Um, which is where, like, you know, I think what's most likely to me is that Kansas gets two wins, and then probably right after that it's just the one win against South Dakota. Um, but I definitely think that there's enough there that I would at least entertain the possibility of getting that over because of the odds that you have for it and because there's so many people that I feel are on the underside just because it is Kansas, you know, because they've been so yeah. so bad. And, and I, I don't think that – or I, I think it's a lot a lot easier for a lot of people to discount good reports that are coming out of Kansas camp and good reports that are coming out of any of this, this Kansas program, just because of the history. Um, you know, granted, I am also a little bit biased because I am a Kansas fan. I really enjoy rooting for this team and I really want them to win. Uh, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things where I can see it enough that I'm, that I'm curious whether it's actually worth doing that, especially with the way that the odds are set up. You know, you were talking about the under is, is minus 200. That means that you're actually getting a little bit better of a path than you normally would if you're going to take the other side of it. Um, yeah, so let me interrupt you for a second. So it seems like you're you're making the argument based on, and I don't even disagree with you, but it seems like you're making the argument that you're not that high on Baylor. You're not that high on Texas Tech. You do think that South Dakota is terrible. You think that Duke is pretty terrible. Right. So even though, like you mentioned, the camp reports, yeah, you think that there might be a little bit more talent than I believe, and you think there might be a little bit more talent than people realize. Your argument is is so much more that, there are these opponents that are on their schedule that aren't that great. I think they can get those because of what those teams are as opposed to what Kansas is. Yeah, I think I think part of it too is just the improvement we saw from a lot of the young talent. And yes, they did lose a decent amount on defense in terms of returning guys that, you know, we were expecting to come back in like Kron Prunty, um, you know, and, and some of the other guys on the defensive line that left. But it's one of those things as well as, you know, the spots where they lost guys were also spots where they have guys that are, were looking to potentially step up anyway this year. Uh, like all the reports that I've seen out of camp are that Jacoby Bryant was actually, is, is actually performing better in practices than Karan Prunty did at the same time of his career last year. So like, it's one of those things where, you know, even if he's not exactly on the same level that, Pr- that Prunty was at the end of the year, it sounds like they have essentially replaced Prunty with a potential you know, freshman All-American in Jacoby Bryant. And they have a bunch of other guys that have really kind of stepped up. And you've you've heard a lot from individual players and from the, the reporters that are watching them about the development of guys in just the short amount of time that they've been able to see in practice, the differences between what Leipold does and, you know, kind of the the approach that Les Miles and his staff had. You know, it also seems like this coaching staff is a lot more coherent and consistent than Les Miles' coaches were. So it's it's more of a there's enough things there that lead me to think that Kansas is going to improve and potentially improve more than people are expecting them to be able to. And the fact that, yeah, I don't think that some of those teams are going to be anywhere near as good as a lot of people think. I, I think that there, there's a lot of people that are just assuming that Texas Tech is going to get better and Baylor is going to get better from what they were last year when they had some severe issues last year that don't necessarily get better just because you went over the summer. Like there's some legitimate questions about those coaching staffs and how well they can put people together and get stuff to, to, you know, to, to gel on the field. Specifically, I'm thinking of Matt Wells and kind of the issues that he had. And so I, 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 it's not one of those things where like, I think Kansas is going to get four wins because they're going to beat all those teams. But if, if I had to pick, you know, do, is it more likely that they win at least one of those three 
or that they lose all of those three, I think that there's enough probability there that they're going to get one of them somewhere. And that's all I need if I think that, you know, Kansas is going to beat South Dakota. And I hope you're right. I mean, I yeah. hope the guy you're right. Cause I, feel, I mean, we've been doing this for what, 13 years now where we, we <laughs> usher in a new coach and we see everything new that has changed. And even though Lance Leipold is by far the best hire that they've made uh, since Mangino left, you know, I, it's a matter of it's again, I'm trying to like separate things. I'm really happy with everything that Lance Leipold has said. I mean, from the minute I didn't dislike the less miles hire, but from the minute he walked in, it felt off. And I get right, that we right. had kind of different, you know, periods of when they went to Boston college, you get the Texas tech game. And, and we all thought that, uh, that Brent Deerman was like the answer and the savior to Kansas football. We have those moments, but from like the moment that Les Miles had that first press conference, it just felt off. It wasn't as weird as the Charlie Weiss press conference. Like that was just right. Was just yeah, totally I, I think I think animal. the big difference there is that everyone expected when Weiss came in. Well, I, I think there was the, the expectation for Weiss was he going to come in and fix everything immediately, right? Like because you were one coach removed from Mark Mangino when the team was really really good, you know, and you were like, oh, well, you can use Weiss's name to get a whole bunch of talent, and he can get everything turned around, and, and you'll be good to go. Uh, obviously, for completely other reasons, that wasn't the case. Les Miles, the expectation when Miles came in wasn't that he was going to immediately turn the program around. It was that he was going to fix the roster situation. And then the hope was by year four or five that they would start winning enough that you could start thinking about going to a bowl game. Not like there was no expectation for him immediately. And and I would actually argue that while we were extremely frustrated with the results on the field, like if, if you think about the fact that his number one charge, his main goal was to restock the roster, he was highly successful with that. And they had a lot of talent that was coming in that they just weren't able to put together on the field. And, you know, if, if you can get if you could have gotten someone that could have gotten that same level of recruiting and that same, you know, restocking of the roster and actually be able to put the team together to, to get wins, then we might have actually seen some some wins last year. Um, but, I, you know, I do think in terms of what we expected from Les Miles, I, I don't know that there was the expectations that at this point here that that, you know, like, I, I don't know how far he actually underperformed what our expectations were when he was hired. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if he did underperform, honestly. Yeah, I, mean, I, I honestly don't think so. Like, that's one of those things where he would still be the coach, and I think most people would be happy with the direction of the program at this point if Les Miles was still here and, you know, none of that stuff actually happened at LSU that ended up getting him fired here. So, um, you know, it's one of those things for sure that, you know, you add in a guy who is a consistent program builder and has a consistent plan, and you know, I think that they're, that Kansas is probably in a better situation foundationally than a team like Buffalo was when Lance Leipold, you know, came in. It's not reasonable for, you know, you to expect to get those year three results this year because there is still some time that he has to kind of move everything over. But, you know, I do think it's reasonable to think that this team has a good opportunity to potentially jump up and surprise at least one team that they sh- that they that you don't necessarily think they should win against. Um, and, you know, given that they have three potential opportunities to do it, like, I, I just, I feel good about their, their ability to potentially get one of those. So, all right, before we run out of time though, unless you had something super pressing about that particular topic you want to talk about, I did, before we run out of time, just wanted to get your thoughts about week one. Are there any, are there any big games that are really jumping out to you as either really good opportunities to get in on something or games that are intriguing to you from a betting perspective? Not a ton in the big 12. Honestly, I mentioned that to you before we hopped on here. There aren't a lot of Right. Well, on a lot of Big 12 numbers in general, especially week one lines. I mean, Chase and I have been talking about Louisiana plus nine and a half. I think it was at plus nine. Now it's at nine and a half versus Texas. Which is crazy uh, to me, but yeah. It's crazy, but like I, I mentioned, I think Louisiana is, is just a better team. And it, I mean, purely from like an entertainment standpoint, this is just a game that we don't get. We don't get, I mean, we've seen Louisiana go to Iowa State. We saw Troy beat 
uh, LSU. We saw, I think it was Louisiana Monroe beat Arkansas. Like Sunbelt teams will go and get their wins against decent P5 teams. But we, to the best of my knowledge, we've never seen a Sunbelt team go on the road to a decent or pretty good power five team as the better team, in my opinion. I mean, if you want to make the argument that Texas is a better team, that's fine. But I right. think right now Louisiana is just the better team. They've been a very good road underdog uh, under Napier against the spread. Texas on the other side of it has been really poor as a home favorite against the spread. Um, I mean, I, I'm stopping short of taking Louisiana the money line, but if you're going to give me like a 23-31 type of game, I'm going to take that. I don't know if Louisiana is going to go in there and win, but I have a really hard time seeing Texas. I mean, I don't have to stop them, but I'm having a really hard time seeing like a 35-21 win from Texas. That's probably my favorite uh, early bet from the Big 12. I'm considering taking the under on Tulane, Oklahoma 70. I think a lot of people are just looking at most people know that Tulane has a decent quarterback. Uh, they know what Willie Fritz has done, especially on the show. People probably have paid fairly close attention to what Tulane has been doing the last couple of years, thinking that maybe Fritz is going to come to Kansas. And I think that most people know that this game is going to be scoring a lot of points. Um, but, you know, with Tulane losing some guys on defense, like there is enough to support that. Even though I like Oklahoma's chances uh, of reaching, you know, 45 to 50 points here with a new offensive coordinator Tulane, I'm not sure that, Tulane has the firepower to score, you know, 20, 21, 22 points. That's not always the best way to look at it, but I, I'm seeing more of like a 45, 17 ish game here. And that number is 70. And usually when it's that high, there's a reason that high. I'm going to keep an eye on this number because I think it could go up even higher. Um, so right now I'm leaning that way. One way that I'm, I'm playing around with, but I'm not totally sure if I'm going to take it is that I'm with you on Baylor. Like I'm not just convinced that Baylor is going to get better. Like, we all saw what Matt rule did. That doesn't mean, I know the situations are totally different, but that doesn't mean like Baylor is just going to get better. Like Charlie Brewer is gone. They don't have the talent that they had when Matt rule left and he left in a perfect spot. Right. I don't know why there's this assumption that like somebody has to lose games in the big 12. Yeah. I get that. Kansas, even if you're optimistic, Kansas is going to lose a lot of big 12 games. That means that everybody's going to win a lot of big 12 games somebody has to lose games in this conference. And I'm, I agree with you on Texas tech too. I don't think they're going to be very good, but like you have to have teams like math just says you have to have yeah. teams to lose games. And I think it could be Baylor and they're at minus 13 and a half against Texas state. Texas state is not that bad. I mean, people in the big 12 and a lot of your listeners probably know their head coach Spavital from West Virginia, Texas state has lost a lot of games, but it's kind of like Rice was a couple of years ago. Like Rice lost a ton of games, but they're gradually getting better. And he's gradually building up this Texas State program where they're not getting slaughtered by teams. And I'm not totally convinced that Baylor is just going to blow out a team that's not terrible. I mean, Texas State is probably like a top 80-ish team this year. And I don't know if Baylor is more than like a top 50 or 60 team. I, don't, I agree with you. I don't know why there's this assumption that Baylor is going to get better just because Dave Aranda had some good defenses as, as a defensive coordinator. I think they're getting way too much benefit of the doubt. Matt rule is not coming back. So I, I think that if you're going to give me 13 and a half points for Texas state, uh, I'm going to have to look really hard on taking that. I don't love a lot of the other numbers, but those, I mean, I feel really good about Louisiana. Like I said, I'm considering the under on Tulane, Oklahoma. I'll look heavily at this Texas state line coming for uh, over the next, I don't know what, two weeks or so. Um, other than that, I don't, 
love a lot of the numbers for the Big 12 early on. Yeah, it's, I mean, just, just to kind of jump back through the ones that you did real quick before we get out of here. The, you know, that, that Oklahoma Tulane game, like, I, I don't know that Tulane is going to be able to, because Oklahoma's defense is a lot better than I think most people are going to give them credit for. Exactly, like, exactly. you know, that's why they're number two team in the nation. That's why, like, Feinbaum said that if, if you know, Alabama doesn't win the national championship, he expects Oklahoma to, because they have a much better defense than people are giving them credit for. And so, like, I don't know that Tulane is going to be able to score before the fourth quarter when all the, you know, all the scrubs get in at that point. And so, like, it's one of those things where, yeah, I have a hard time seeing Tulane getting above 13 to, you know, 17 points, which means that you're expecting Oklahoma to just completely go off and get most of that 70 on their own, which is a lot. Um, you know, other thoughts, kind of like what you're talking about, Baylor. Um, you know, Baylor's problem last year wasn't the defense, and Dave Aranda is a is a good defensive coach, but he has shown lots of issues in trying to implement what offense he was. And obviously, COVID year is a weird year. It's hard to really kind of tell. But losing a guy like Brewer, who, you know, despite his struggles last year, I don't know that those were necessarily his fault. And so, like, it's one of those things you can't really expect the offense to take another huge step forward, which is what they're going to need to do, I think, to be a better team this year than they were last year. You know, they were 2-7 and seven last year. Yes, they were playing better at the end of the year, like a lot of teams were. Um, but it's one of those things where like they're, they're over under number is five and a half wins. And I don't even see how they come close. Like, I think they're going to get three or three or four maybe. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things I'm, I'm curious about how a lot of people are viewing these teams, which I think was why I had asked the question about, you know, marketplace driving a lot of these lines. Cause a lot of them seem to me to be a little bit iffy. Like I'm wondering where, where they're getting this information from, which makes me wonder. So, but all right, Andrew, um, any, any final thoughts before we get out here for the day? Uh, not really. I mean, just to kind of go back to your Baylor, Baylor stuff. I think that's a, a team that people have been kind of watching incorrectly. I, I think that just because Zach Wilson had a great year and you poach their offensive coordinator, doesn't all of a sudden mean that Bohannon or Jacob Zeno is going to have a great year too. I think that, I mean, like you pointed out, I'm not totally convinced they go the under on here, but I think that a lot of big 12 teams are kind of getting the benefit of the doubt, uh, maybe when they shouldn't be. So yeah, I'm very curious on that number. And, uh, Hopefully I'll come back here at some point in the season and we can revisit some of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Where, where can everybody find your work online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dowdy, at, um, excuse me, at Dowdy BetMGM uh, and then BetMGM.com. We also have a new website that we just launched. Just Google BetMGM, the roar. Uh, we'll have college football, NFL content uh, throughout the season. Awesome. All right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe to the show and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We'll do bring the podcast to get you guys all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you can give us, you know, if, if, if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Now that we're on the Anchor uh, platform you can leave us a voicemail so we can get your voice on the show we have a mailbag episode coming up so i would really like to get your guys questions um just go to anchor.fm slash rock dash chalk dash podcast slash message you can leave that message there i promise we'll get it on the show as long as it's not completely inappropriate but uh we are part of the 1012 network uh, you know, you can find all the great shows that we have over there covering all the teams in the Big 12. You just go on Twitter at 1012 Network. That's T-E-N number one, two network uh, to, to get links to all of those shows. But again, uh, you know, thanks to our sponsor, Symbol. Definitely go out there. Use the, the promo code to get signed up. At, at absolutely great. I, I'm, I, I'm over there. I absolutely love it at this point. But that's going to do it for us today. Andrew, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. 
Social Podcast Network.